And welcome to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier, here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And the return of Billy Holiday. Hello there. In this episode, we're going to talk about Silent Debuggers, a game we pushed off from the last episode because we didn't want Billy to miss out on another oh. TurboGrafx-16 title. Eventually, I'm <laughs> going to find one you guys like. It's going to be, it's going to happen. And I think it's this week. We're going to go with that. But before we determine whether or not I've succeeded in my quest, Billy, what have you been playing since the last time you were on the show? Uh, well, I, I have to apologize for my absence last time. I uh, just the the threat of another TurboGrafx-16 game was a bit much. I found a, I found a big ship and I jumped on it and sailed a bit of the world, hoping I would land somewhere where there were no TurboGrafx-16s. But unfortunately, there was no luck, and I decided to come back and face this thing down. But uh, now I've, been, I've, I've still been on the Switch quite a bit. I finished up Golf Story, um, which I have to say, all the way through, very satisfying game. Felt like it got a little, little long there at the end. I started to... Uh, started to grade on you a little bit but they, they knew when to cut it off and when to end it so I, I i have to highly recommend that one uh and and i was talking with jeremy earlier i've been making an effort to actually complete games this year uh, i'm very like, good at, I'm, I'm very good at buying them i exceed at that uh but i'm also trying to to finish them and clear out that the ps4 uh hard drive which i I thought when I got the Pro, you know, there's no way I'll have enough games I'm working on at one time to fill this thing up. And as I was juggling games around today, uh, I learned that I really need to crack down. So I've been playing through that second, uh, that Mirror's Edge, uh, which is Catalyst, I believe. Uh, and I love the first one. And I was was instantly scared by a lot of the reviews that the, uh, the second one got. Uh, not many people liked that. Uh, and most people I knew that were fans of the first didn't either. Uh, I finally picked it up pretty low price and I've been playing through and it's, it's enjoyable for the most part. It's more of the same. I, I can kind of see where they're let down uh, with the promise of a, an open world game. Uh, Cause I guess while it technically is, it's, it, it, it's a very confined area still. And I find myself just traversing the same parts of town over and over again. Uh, there's a lot of back and forth in it and it, it can get a little old, but uh but my test for when I play games nowadays compared to when I was younger and I, I, I wouldn't dare play, I wouldn't dare pick up a game if it wasn't, you know, 40 or so hours. Uh, I, I look up how long it usually takes to beat something. If it's under eight, I'm in it. And so this one, they promised me six to eight. So I'm going to see it through to the end. Well, I am not that smart. I'm only playing games that are going to take me hundreds of hours. So mm -hmm. all I've really played since our last episode uh, was even more Monster Hunter. Uh, now, I did get through the entire story arc of Monster Hunter World, uh, and it took me about 90 hours, so I'm now starting what the actual game is, I suppose, uh, and it's it's super <laughs> fun, but I'm not going to talk any more about Monster Hunter World. Uh, I also am continuing on my third full play of Persona 4, because it's mm. probably the best game ever made. Uh, and the other thing I've played a lot of is Mario Kart 8 for the Wii U, because oh, my yeah. children have broken oh. two discs of Mario Kart 8 and I've bought my third finally. So I've now I've now spent a total of $200 <laughs> including the extra tracks for Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U. So I'm going to play a lot of it and get my money money's worth out of that. Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last show? Uh Dark Souls 3 all the time, mm. just nonstop. Mm. I mean, that's that's really the only game that I've been playing since since the last podcast. It's one of those games I can just kind of pop in if I want to grind for a while, I can go through that that horrible a forest swamp stage and and you know level up here and there and and then maybe i'll try to make some progress 
Currently, I I just now finished up that swamp area, the keep, Farron Keep, mm-hmm. which whoever designed that, fuck you. That place is a goddamn nightmare. And beat the uh, Lords of Cinder or whatever they're called. And now I'm in the uh, the Cathedral of uh, Deep Cathedral or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's it is that area is a slog for mm-hmm. me. I don't know why, but I am just having a uh, not as much fun going through yeah. that area as I I did with the uh, the forest area. Mm-hmm. Which as much as I I hated the forest area, I have fun with it. I had fun. Yeah. at Star I'm Souls. Gonna, I'm gonna give you a fair warning. Don't don't stop playing for a long stretch of time. I uh, I was playing through and was quite surprised that I made it as far as I did, as quickly as I did. I think uh, I am just one or two more boss fights away. I got caught up on an optional boss, which I at least feel a little bit better. I, I've I've read online he's like the you know the the toughest one in the game. That's at least what I'm telling myself. Uh, could not beat him. Went into a depression. Put it down for months on end. Picked that back up a, a few weeks ago and realized that I, I can't remember shit. I went back to the opening area and promptly died. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to retrain myself. I guess this is fucking Rocky Six for me. I'm gonna have to start at the bottom and work my way back up. Yeah, I'm about 17 hours into it now, and it's uh, I, I'm still enjoying it. <laughs> you know, it's still not as much fun to me as what Bloodborne was. It's just I mm. for something. Bloodborne was just the game for me. Yes. I love that game. Yes, but uh, Dark Souls Three is is pretty close, and I finally got past that wall I was talking about on the last show. As as far as like when to dodge, when to use my shield, things mm-hmm. like that. So it's much more enjoyable, and and I feel like I am actually like progressing now at at the pace I want to, instead of uh, just running up against these these different enemies and being like, well, I'm done for today. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's still very enjoyable. I don't know if I'm going to beat the entire thing. I don't know how long my patience will last with this game, but I'm I'm still sticking in there with it. There you go. This is the prerequisite uh, dragging on we try to do when any anytime we're doing a turbo graphics game. I think if you go back and listen, the uh, the what are you playing section goes on a little bit longer. We're, we're trying to put it off just a bit before we get to it. Well, I, I hate to add to that time, but I do want to say since you brought up Bloodborne, Please. that the uh, PS4 Plus Bloodborne for free I think ends in a couple days after this posts, and then I don't know if you saw next month's games, Mad Max. Which is uh, uh, a great game if you like. If you really mm-hmm. like Grand Theft Auto, but you wish it was just vehicle combat, this game is for you, and it's amazing, and I, and I love it. But let's not talk any more about anything, even current, at all. Let's talk about silent debuggers for the TurboGrafx 16. <laughs> This is one that I had played before, but all I have is flashes of memory of playing it at a friend's house. Uh, This isn't one I owned myself. I never finished it. I remember it being very, very difficult. So I was kind of worried when I recommended it that this would be (laughs) another amazing TurboGrafx selection for me that you guys would threaten to quit the show after. So I'm hoping this one's at least a little more interesting than some of those previous ones. 
It's interesting. Uh, I, by the name, you know, usually when you get a name of a game you you haven't played before, you get a kind of an image in your head. Uh, maybe what it's about. I had no idea with this one. This this is a bizarre title, uh, to say the least. And, and I was very surprised when I read a uh, kind of a an intro as to just what this game was about. Uh, it was being called a first-person sci-fi horror game. Uh, and that piqued my interest, at least. I, I didn't go through and start this one with uh, with gritted teeth like some of the other ones. Uh, I had, had an open mind going in, and I, I was looking forward to... Uh, to seeing what I get into because all the screenshots from what I, from what I saw uh, before I started playing looked fairly interesting. Yeah. You talk about hearing the name and not knowing what it's about. I looked at a picture and I still didn't know what it was about. <laughs> I was like, what is this? I, it, you know, I, it, I haven't played too many turbo graphics games and usually I saw that it was trying to do the first person thing mm-hmm. and just about any 16 bit game that tried to do that uh, was met with, fairly bad results. I mean, there's a couple here and there maybe on the super Nintendo that was pretty okay. But mm-hmm. whenever a game tried to fake that, that first person shooter look, it just did not go well, unless it was trying to do a very specific thing, like a dungeon crawler, a slower pace thing. But this did not look like it was trying to do a slower pace thing. It, it looked like it was trying to be a fast paced shooter. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's kind of a weird mix of the slower dungeon exploration and a space shooter. Uh, but before we get into the specific mechanics of the game, the, the story of the game, which is always the most important part of any game, uh, you are a debugger, which is a mercenary who will take on dangerous jobs for money. Uh, that's pretty much as basic as it gets. And so you're going to this abandoned space station, uh, which you know that, that there's some sort of secret treasure of some sort and riches inside this abandoned space facility. Uh, all these other debuggers have gone there to, to get this riches and none have returned. So, of course, the best thing for you to do is to rush off there as quickly as possible uh, with one other person to get these riches. And, mm-hmm. and that's the only story you have for the background of this space station when you start uh, for anything that's going on. And so that... the the first few minutes of the game are you kind of getting used to the controls uh, and and not fighting anything. You're actually searching for uh, these life forms that are showing up on your on your radar. The main part of the game is, um, it, I want to say it's close to a dungeon explorer because it, it is first person, but it's not a smooth scrolling first person like a Doom would be. It's it's more like a classic wizardry or or fantasy star dungeons where you push forward and you go forward one square worth of, of space and you can turn uh, in any of the four cardinal directions and it's the same thing so you basically it's the kind of game you'd make a map for on on graph paper uh, if, if you were me uh, but thankfully this game gives you a map you don't need to do that uh, which is useful and also the monsters in the game unlike a lot of those old exploration games move much much faster than that so if you just mm-hmm. stood there and tried to make a map you would probably die before you got finished writing the area you're in um the when you finally find the creatures on this spaceship that you're supposed to be uh defending yourself from at the first time you see them they're actually pretty cool looking they they're these you know giant alien balls with arms that fly around and make a terrible sound when you shoot them and uh <laughs> And, and but they're sure. still cool because they don't look like anything else you've seen in another game. It's not like you're like, oh great, it's you know, green Mars men or whatever. These are definitely like an interesting creature design. So I was excited to see what other really cool creatures would be in this uh, in this game. And it turns out the answer is lots of the same creature in different colors. Yeah, you were uh, you were a lot like me that was hoping to see what other what other backgrounds I'd see over the course of this game. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, you're in a space station, so it's going to look exactly the same uh, for the entire game, pretty much. Uh, which is, which is, I guess this is definitely a game, and I'm sure we're going to get into this a little more. That starts out way stronger uh, than mm. it continues to go. It, it definitely becomes a a slog, is a good word, uh, and yeah. we'll we'll get into explaining all of that. But mm-hmm. uh, we need to take a step back. Your character is supposed to be exploring the space station uh, to try to find these riches and and clear these aliens out. Uh, you get a selection of weapons at the very beginning of the game. Uh, you get it's it's like a, a gun weapon and a grenade weapon. So you get a choice of three of each. Uh, for the gun weapons, it's the motor cannon, which is essentially a, a machine gun with 90 rounds. Uh, the mega beamer, which uses your life bar, which is also a battery pack uh, to to fire. It's very very dis- uh, damaging. It fires very slowly, but it also uses up your life bar when it fires. So it's not the one I thought I would use when I started playing because. Yeah. Uh, your, your life bar goes pretty quickly because the monsters will essentially just charge at you. Some of them. Some run away from you, but most of them just charge you and do a fair amount of damage every time they hit you. So I wanted as much health as I could possibly get. Uh, and then the third gun is the lip shoot, which is uh, very well named. Uh, but it's basically <laughs> a, a, a homing... It's supposed to be a homing missile, but it basically plays just like any other gun, but it homes a little bit. It does more damage than the, uh, the dumb shot motor cannon, but it does not do as much as the battery use mega beamer uh so it's i guess the one that is supposed to be the most all-around average but uh, after playing this more and more and more the mega beamer is the one to use that thing destroys these creatures pretty quickly and then the other weapon you get is a much more limited use uh of grenades you get a uh, a standard grenade launcher that has a five rounds in the grenades uh, a sleep launcher that's supposed to cause the monsters to, to fall asleep. I never used this ever, so maybe it's amazing. I didn't bother with it. Uh, and <laughs> no, then the, I used, that was my gun. The sleep gun was great. Uh, I mean, anytime you, you hit anything with that, I mean, that thing was, especially the ones uh, later in the game that run away a lot, that was the gun to use on those because it will just stop them completely. And then that's when I would just switch over to the, the motor cannon or whatever and finish them off. Well, that would have been smarter than me just running over and over and just firing into the hallways at random. That was my strategy also. I I, I didn't touch the sleep gun the whole time. I just just didn't see how it would be that effective. Uh, Early in the game, it's really not. But yeah, definitely later on in the Mm. game, Mm. it's much more useful. Well, And the third grenade option is the sonic launcher, uh, which I think is supposed to scare them away. I'm not really sure. I didn't use that either. I did it one time. It didn't look very impressive, and it also uses your battery, so I was like, no, since I'm already using a gun that uses the battery, and all my health is the battery, uh, let's not have a third source drawing from my life force. Let's not bother with that again. So I pretty much stuck with grenades. Uh, I guess I should have tried the sleep launcher, but I didn't. Um, As your fighting these aliens, you'll run out of ammo if you have a limited ammo weapon, or run out of batteries if you are using um, the battery weapons plus your own health bar. So thankfully, in the space station, uh, there are these different corridor blocks that are different power-ups for you. So there's uh, essentially the, the core of the game is built around the control room that you start in that your friend, uh, what's his name? Leon. Leon. That's right. He's your buddy. Your buddy Leon is in, uh, in the, <laughs> the center area, basically hey, giving just, you instructions. I never said yes or no for Leon. Uh, he just he just asked me. I, I... He doesn't give you any options. You just have to be Leon. No, he really doesn't. So you're, the, the central area of the station where Leon sits, he gives you directions and kind of yells things in your ear as you're fighting these guys. Uh, and then around him are eight different stations that comprise the core of the ship, basically. And and four of them are empty, uh, but the other four contain things you'll actually need to make sure you are 
using and or protecting. So there is, uh, along with the four empty ones, there is the light control center. Uh, if, if that somehow gets knocked out or taken over, because at a certain point in this game, aliens start uh, coming out of this the cargo areas where they normally are and attacking the other uh, sectors here. Uh, if they take out the light control, then the game goes dark, which actually looks really cool, but I don't like playing that way. <laughs> it sucks. Uh, the battery room, which lets you refill your batteries. Uh, if, if that room goes down, you're pretty much lost. You should probably just go back and start again. Uh, the control room, uh, which is for the scanners and the, the other tools you have that show you kind of where aliens are in your map. And then the bullet room, which is where you refill if you have any of the guns that don't use battery power. Uh, those, those four rooms... Uh, are pretty much the ones you have to protect as you're also going out into these cargo areas, which are just giant mazes, and destroying these aliens. Once you've destroyed enough aliens on each floor, uh, the the main core of the, the game will shoot down a floor. The whole point of the game is to go down to the bottom level of this space station, because if not, it will self-destruct. Because that's what I like as a timer built into a game like this. So after oh the first boy. level, after the first little bit of the first level, uh, a, a self-destruct initiates, all the doors are locked, you can't escape the ship. The only way to escape is to get to the very bottom and turn off the self-destruct mechanism. Mm-hmm. Now I'll go ahead and say, the, the whole thing with the different different areas and the different rooms you had to protect, I thought that was a pretty neat mechanic. Uh and, and I thought that was something interesting that uh, the first time you lose that light room and, and the game goes dark and it it stays that way too. Um, I don't know. Are you able to bring it back on? I don't think so. I think once okay. you once you lose one, that's it. Um, yeah, so I mean, so you'll get down to like uh, like Jeremy said, if you lose that battery room, just there's nothing you're going to do. Yeah, you know, you're done. You can get by with with the light room gone. But the first time that happened, I was I was pretty impressed by that. I, it gets annoying and it, it's hard to play, but but I pre, I appreciate and I think this will be a prevailing theme throughout the course of this this podcast. I appreciate what they what they were trying to do with that. And if if they didn't have those little those alerts coming coming and going, there mm-hmm. wouldn't be anything else to do in this game besides yeah. just scour the halls. So. Yeah. Those are nice to, to pop up and, and deal with every now and again. It's usually actually mostly at the beginning of the stage. It doesn't seem mm. like it happens too much later in, in each mm-hmm. stage. It always seemed to pop up super early. So the first mm. the first part of the stage, like you were constantly having to run back in there and, and uh, mess with or kill a fucking monster that went into one of those, those other areas. Uh, but after it kind of calmed down, then it was mostly just you wandering the halls, it seemed like. Yeah, and it's like you said, it, it's not... Uh, actually just for the the distraction and to feel like you're doing something you know with a little bit of urgency i mean there's a sense of urgency to the whole thing because you got the timer uh constantly going down but this adds just a a little extra sense to it uh because the main game of sweeping those corridors is 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 a slog we've used the word slog already in this podcast but this is the uh this is the definition of a slog uh the the main the meat of this game just Traveling the corridors. Well, it's also you don't know exactly how many aliens mm-hmm. are around. So you'll you'll be starting a level off, and you know the first level it doesn't have that many. It probably has ten total, if if that. Um, but but nothing really counts it down. The only way you know you're finished is because all of a sudden the music changes and Leon yells like, "Get back yeah. here! You've gotten all the aliens. Great job." So <laughs> so it's hard because you don't know how many there are. Plus, uh, I I liked 
and hated whenever I would get a notice that, oh, no, aliens have broken into the core and they're attacking one of the main main buildings. Mm. Because, one, it always seems it was the farthest possible point from wherever I was. So if, if, uh, if I was, say, on the eastern side of the map, it would be on the western side, guaranteed, where this alien was, like, wrecking up the, the, uh, the main core unit. And then when I finally got over there... They don't regenerate, and the the damage happens pretty quickly. Like if you sit there and yeah. look at the map, and then and you'll see the the number. Then you exit the map, then you move a couple feet and look at the map again. It's gone down like ten, fifteen percent of its total hundred percent of health. So again, it's it's difficult because you've got to basically be ready. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily that it happens at the beginning of the level as much as it's there's only so many per level that will come out and attack. So if you do wait okay. and and kind of do a couple things by the you know, as close to the door as possible to the cargo area, and then run out as soon as one has been announced. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I made it. I, I didn't beat this game. Uh, full disclosure, but I, I got probably four <laughs> levels down, and I still had my entire core by that point because I was playing yeah. that way. But I was probably going to run out of time, uh, along with just the fact that it, you only have a uh, hundred minutes to uh, to finish this thing once the the self destruct starts. If you die, you do get to come back. You get continues, but you lose five minutes on that clock. So it, it, if you die at all, I mean, it keeps track of what you've done before you die, but you've lost five more minutes on that clock. So if you die five or six times, you probably aren't going to finish this game. No, no, there's no way. Um, and yeah, that's, I didn't finish this thing either. Um, big surprise. Uh, but yeah, uh, death on here, uh, two or three of them, that's 15 minutes down. And I really, I, I never figured out how to manage my time quite right on here uh you know what you were saying hanging back near the the cores um yeah that's one way uh or if you're supposed to just go out and sweep the halls and and just try to hoof it back there as quick as you can uh if there's an attack uh, i i was destined not to finish this game in all of my playthroughs i had not gotten that far and i a lot of time had already passed um and, and I mean, I put some serious effort into this thing. It just, it, it didn't click with me, you know, kind of what strategy to take. I don't know if it's the wrong weapons or what. Uh, I just, I put a good bit of time into this, but I don't have a lot of progress to show for it. Yeah. And I, I got to level four before mm -hmm. I kind of called it a day. I, I was down to me. I think it was like 16 or 17 minutes and I was just kind of roaming the halls and I, I kept wanting to be like, is this game going to change? And the answer to that is no, because it it does not seem to change. I actually watched a, a YouTube playthrough for the the final level, level five, and it's literally just the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. And it's that's I think that's my biggest problem with the game. It's just it's the same thing over and over and over again. If it had something, anything else, if if the levels themselves, even just different enemies, this I, I would have really probably beat it. But as it was, I was just you know I was just going through those long-ass halls, trying to find these things, and you'd never know how close you are to, to making it past a level because, like we mentioned, there's no countdown to how many enemies, which is insane to me. Yeah. You just literally have to wait until yeah. you hear that music. And, man, when you hear that music, that's the biggest relief. It's like, oh, thank God I can go do something else. But yeah. you're just going to go do the same thing again. It would have been nice, even just a little ticker down at the bottom of the screen, put it on the opposite side of the timer, uh, and just a countdown of the, the number of enemies still alive. Um, uh, but yeah, it's just the, 
repetition. A lot of games I go into um, not expecting much, not really liking them, but they win me over as I play. Uh, and by the time I'm done, you know, they've, they've changed my opinion completely. Uh, this one, I went in, I was, I was excited about the, the, you know, the concept of it, uh, you know, trapped on a spaceship, uh, you know, just having to shoot down these aliens, you know, tight quarters and whatnot. But yeah, uh, the first level was good. And if the second level would have been different at all, you know, change it up, you know, like Contra had its, its, its way it changed from a side scroller to kind of the, you know, the other screen it would change to for the in-between levels or just something. Uh, it, it, this game desperately needed something to break up things, even even, even if only briefly. Uh, even the palette swaps that happen in there—they're not that—they're not that drastic. I, I I don't know. It's just not an exciting game to look at, which is a shame because the you know the little cinematics in there, the you know the cutscenes are I, I thought were pretty looked pretty good. Um, you know, TurboGrafx 16. Uh, usually the games we reviewed, I can at least say they looked good. And uh, this one looks all right, but you can't stare at that screen, but just for so long before you just get tired of it. Well, because the, the levels are so plain looking too, it's sometimes mm-hmm. very hard to tell where you are. And yes. even if it's the core, I mean, you run through the core for most of the game, you, you should know it fairly well, but there were still times where I had to pause the game and look at the map to go, wait a minute, exactly what mm-hmm. corner am I on? I can't figure out, you know, how to get back to the battery room. And uh, this is definitely another game, by the way, that if you don't have the instruction manual, good effing luck. You're not going to figure out what anything does or is. I mean, the game gives you instruction on what to do, but as far as, mm-hmm. you know, which of these these rooms has what thing in it, in the core, that's all in the in the manual only. Same with the, the weapons. In fact, the game, when you pick your weapons, even says, like, read the manual to see what the weapons do. You're like, oh. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. so that, that definitely is, is a tougher, uh, a tougher choice. I, did you guys go back? In any point during the game to go back intentionally to the the com room in the middle to talk to Leon. Uh, yeah, I got a couple of items off of him. Yeah, I I didn't do that for the longest time, and I I mean, I think when we played this, when I played it when I was younger, I must have never have known that, or I don't think I got past the second floor. I, uh, but I I never went back, and I did this time because I was like, you know, I'm gonna see if I can change my weapons out, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh wow, he gave me like four items at once because I had never been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the reason I, I just found it by accident because I wanted to change my weapons out, and he was like, "Here's this thing." It's like, "Oh, okay, well, that would have helped two levels ago, but all right." I did not do this in the entire time. What, like, what items? What kind of stuff does he give you? Uh, so he'll give you a, a better scanner uh, when you get mm-hmm. to this third level. I guess the third level has the first time you run into an alien that does not show up on your scanners. Now, mm-hmm. again, uh, as we already kind of said, you're really fighting the same alien over and over again with some palette swaps. There was that uh, those blobs that go up and down on the floor and ceiling uh, that are a secondary weapon, like monster to worry about, but they really don't do much damage. I think if you were low on health, they'd kill you, but otherwise, it, it's just something to avoid. But yeah, most of the rest of the aliens are, are those same round aliens with the arms. Uh, so there's gray ones with like a purple fringe that will just show up when they aren't on your scanner. And the first time you see when he pulls you back to the room and is like, "Look out, these guys! You can't, you won't, you won't know where they are." Except that they make this sound and they make like a breathing noise, which is also kind of cool. I mean, the idea that you have, yeah. you know, to use your your sounds of the game to find things along with the scanner, because uh, the scanner also kind of beeps as you get closer to, to aliens. Uh, that, that's all really cool. Like, I think there's a mm-hmm. lot in this game that is super cool, but they just they didn't. 
the, the fact that all the monsters were the same with different palette swaps, even if they made them all look a different, they didn't have to go crazy, but just something different so that every couple minutes you're, you know, you're like, oh, that thing looks cool. I mean, something to keep you looking at stuff. But instead, you know, like like we've already kind of said, all the hallways look the same. Every floor looks the same. Every monster you fight looks the same, maybe a different color, and maybe some of them uh, later on will will vanish, uh, will run away from you, will be will will actually kind of go back and forth, attacking you quickly and hiding again, then attacking you quickly. I mean, they they have some neat mechanics, but because they all look exactly the same, you're, it's just kind of like okay, I'll just run at these giant circle things and and shoot until they die. Uh, did, did anyone bother pushing? So you only have it's a TurboGrafx 16, so you really only have two buttons that matter, and then you use select to fire your your grenades. But along with the the fire button, there was the the kind of action use button that you'd use for pretty much just menus. But if you held it down, you could move the reticle around. What? Like the, the reticle in the middle <laughs> oh. of the screen. Oh boy! You could oh, hold boy. down button two. I think it's button two, <laughs> and you'll move the reticle around. It's the most useless thing in the game, except okay. for fighting those slimes that go up on the floor and the ceiling. If you bothered playing, you know, getting far enough to see those, they they just you, you can shoot them with with that easily. Otherwise, you have to kind of catch them mid jump up and down. But otherwise, well, for the still... the main monsters. The, the reticle in the middle of the screen is exactly where they are all the time. You don't have to move anything. So when you do for, when you do move it and you forget to move it back, you're just firing off into the corner of the screen and not hitting the monster wow. that's squarely in front of you. I mean, is there any the strategy more... to using it? Like, can you shoot their <laughs> arms? Can you shoot different parts of them? Like, is there? did I just completely miss a crucial part of this game? Well, I don't know how much it matters because they they all seem to just run at you or run away from you. So, yeah, yes, true. you can shoot their arms, and you'll find some that you'll shoot arms enough where there's only one arm left or whatever if you're using the, yeah. a weaker gun or your huh. pistol. Oh, I forgot to mention you have a pistol because no one will ever use it. Uh, but you could use your pistol if you somehow ran out of ammo. But but yeah, you can shoot their arms and and I mean I would always just aim for the for the body and it seemed to kill them. Maybe the arms do more damage, even though that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, they definitely didn't do less damage to me with less arms, so I don't know what the point was. It was cool that you could do it, but I don't think there was yeah. much of a point. Um, and these aliens, especially your first encounter, is, is a bit startling. Uh, I, I think not since the days of uh, Friday the Thirteenth NES, when you're in that cabin <laughs> and Jason pops out the first time. Have I ever quite been so jarred by an enemy showing up on the screen suddenly? It's all the sound. It's, it's the sound. Yeah, yeah, the sound. That is, sound, I mean, I'll tell you, I played this thing late at night with my headphones up. That's a mistake. I, I, I don't know if it's just me. I had, uh, and my, uh, I don't know my my dislike for highly fucking annoying sounds, but shooting these things is is a pain it, to the ears. It's a literal pain. Um, yeah, but my hats off to them though for for giving me that little jump. It doesn't happen often in video games, but sure enough, uh, a couple of the alien encounters on here they they caught me. Well, you do at least get a sensor. You know, the, mm -hmm. as you're playing mm -hmm. on on your spacesuit, you've got a sensor that yeah. will, it'll turn yellow. It seems like if they're maybe like two spaces away from you, and mm -hmm. it'll be red if you're like next to them. Mm -hmm. um, and it, you just kind of have to spin around and and find it. But yeah, some of them will just like they they will be super aggressive and just jump out. Well, the, the the red ones are the ones you see at the beginning. Those are the ones that seem to run right at you. They don't have a lot of strategy. They just run at you. Sometimes they'll kind of back into a hallway, but they still run at you generally. Uh, the, the the ones that come out in the ship, at least early on, are all green. They take a whole lot of damage, but they don't normally fight you. They run a lot. 
Uh, but unfortunately, if you're not paying attention, then they're wrecking apart your your, your core. Uh, we forgot to mention, the only way to really die is to, to run out of time completely. Or if you do lose all eight of the, the core buildings, you've lost immediately. Uh, you, you can't escape. You basically suffocate and die, and the, the game ends. So the, <laughs> along from getting hit a bunch and dying, you get to come back and continue as many times as you have time left. But eventually, if you lose all the buildings in the middle or, uh, or your time runs out, that's it for you. Mm-hmm. The first level, like like you said earlier, Billy, I think the first level of this game is super cool because you're you're just oh, like yeah. this is this game has some really neat mechanics. I like the the feel of the game because it does it does feel like uh, you know a very crude version of of the first Alien movie. You know, I mean you're you're running through these corridors in a ship that kind of all look the same. You can hear these aliens around you. you can they they run at you and jump at you, and you're like, oh, this is this is crazy good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then then once you get through that first area and you realize, oh, now it's a a bigger a much bigger cargo area that I'm sorting through. And then they start running out and destroying the core while you're in there more often. Um, I know when I was younger, I didn't understand how important it was to go back and fill your battery and fill your bullets if you use your grenades. Mm. I had no... I mean, playing this now, I was like, oh, I missed something. Because I never got through. I would run out of ammo, or I would I would die. I didn't realize you had to pause the game to switch. You basically have two life bars, but you have to manually switch between the two of them via a menu. I, I didn't know mm. I could do that. I mean, there was plenty of things I definitely did not do when I was playing this when it was a new game. that I, I did do this time, which made it more interesting, but it also made it... It felt like I had to do chores in the middle of playing this game to run back and fill these things up and then also make sure to come back every time an alien ran to the core and take the alien out and then check in with with Leon every now and then to see if he had a new hat to give me or whatever the item was going to be. <laughs> like, the, the, the part of this game that, that should be what's focused on is fighting the aliens in, in the cargo areas. I like having these other things, but it seemed like all of them together was just a little too much. Like, mm. in any current game that was like this, your, your life bar would fill up slowly when you were out of danger or yeah. or you'd have a, a better unlimited weapon it wouldn't be a, a garbage pistol or something that used your battery power as well you'd have something you could do to escape or a melee weapon there's not a melee weapon there, there would be something you could do so that if you were in in the the worst condition to run back to a safe area you at least could punch your way out or something but there's nothing yeah. here it's it's it is a very crude version of of what a first person shooter became i mean there were other 16-bit first person games um, I know on the Super Nintendo they had some, but even like Zero Tolerance for the Genesis. I mean, there were <clears throat> other games that did this kind of thing better, but the idea of you know having the core you have to protect and having to run back and and you know take these aliens out along with finding them in these other areas. I, I mean, this game has a lot of really really cool ideas. It just seems like it may have been f- three or four years too soon. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing that when I started playing that first stage, I was like, holy shit, you know, what year did this come out? This is amazing. It's got all of this, you know, all these things that would just become standard in a first person shooter way later. And just a lot of forward thinking ideas. Maybe they didn't do it well, but, you know, it was definitely stuff that was commendable for them to try. Mm-hmm. And after the after that first stage, though, it just you just see that that's literally it. That's those are the ideas it had. It threw all of them at you at once, yeah. and then he, now you're you have to settle in for the next five five stages <laughs> and see how far you can get until either all the cores are dead or the time runs out. And that's that's what it becomes. And it's one of those games that starts out so strong for me. I was legit surprised, mm-hmm. and it just I was just like, by the time I got to that fourth, st- I made it to the fourth stage just to see. 
and it was just the same fucking thing. Just besides the the items he gives you, that he does kind of give you one item that cha- that helps a little bit, where you can actually teleport around uh, the the station, uh, and that kind of helps. But it uses up an entire almost like half a health bar to even use. Uh, so I mean, even that. It, it's just it, it does it's not worth it you're still literally just using the same shit that you did at the beginning of the games you did at the end yeah that that's a helpful item he also gives you the item that, that makes your weapon twice as strong uh yeah. and, and better scanners i mean he, he does give you good items um I, I don't know if it's locked based on on what level you're at what item he gives you i assume that's what it is uh, and then if you don't go there for so many levels you can get a bunch at once um it, it's not based on time i don't believe uh, and there's nothing online about this game that would <laughs> give you a lot more information. So yeah. it was hard for me to figure out like exactly like, you know, shooting the body parts. I have no idea. And there's there's not a lot of information on what exactly the mechanics of this thing are, the, the in-depth mechanics, if they even exist. But uh, but, but was, there no, was, was there no way to save this thing? No, there is oh, no no way to okay. save this game. And, uh, man, so, so you're, you're dedicating 99 minutes every time you sit down. Right, yeah, you're you're playing through the entire thing, and that assumes you don't you don't die and lose a bunch of time. But yeah, you're, you're giving yeah. yourself an hour and a half uh, to to try to finish this game, which, in the scheme of things, is not long. I mean, I, I've no. played more than an hour and a half by accident, just you know, yeah. playing with my inventory in a game. But but it's definitely <laughs> a game that doesn't allow you to save or password or any option. You know, you figure there's there's built-in places to do it here. There's at the end of every level, you finish all the monsters, you go to the next floor, it should autosave. There should be something there. And no no current game would not save or give you a password. This is yeah. this is a definite, you know, retro game thing that doesn't happen anymore. Nope, this is it. This is when you gotta finish it. So hope you got the time. So you said Jeremy you watched the the, the end of the game just to see? Yes, I did. Yeah, I did I did too. Uh <laughs> This would have been. I'm glad I didn't play to the end of the game. Yeah, I would have been yeah. Really mad. No, no, you know, no need to say spoilers on this because uh, that's the whole point of this <laughs> podcast. But, but the end of the game is just basically you have to fight a bunch of aliens in the core that that disappear, and uh, the little bit of story you get to this point is that someone else is in the space station trying to also race to the bottom, and so they're also there uh, in in the space station. You have to hit them as they're running around as well. And and eventually you you take out all those aliens and that guy and it it shows you what I thought was going to be a last boss, and uh, and pretty much it's just a long cinematic and the game ends. <laughs> oh yeah. oh wow! I was I got to that point in, in watching the video and I was like oh man maybe there's like an actual final boss because you know it sets it up with the cinematic and everything and then Leon just comes in and just blows the thing to hell with a giant machine gun and game over. It's like ah oh. I mean there's a lot of story at the end. It's a if there was like a, a satisfying boss fight, then yeah, that would have been a hell of an ending. But that's your boss. The ending is the boss fight. And then it's just a lot of talking back and forth and then the credits roll. So it's, I mean, I, I don't know if it's worth to make it there on your own or not. It definitely wouldn't have been, with my opinion, of it. that's what you get. It, it reminds me as far as the, the ending of, you know, we had covered... The Killer Tomatoes a while ago, where the ending is just like this thing that happens. You're like, what the hell was yeah. that? That's how this was. Yeah. It's like you, you do this, you get to the bottom, and the and, and the game even makes it feel like, it's like, oh, we can't find any creatures on the scanners. This is going to be, you know, get ready. This is all you. And then the next sentence is, hey, there's a bunch of creatures on your scanner. <laughs> and you're just doing the same thing you're doing the whole time. It's like it's like they built it to have this end, the end sequence, and they were like, nah, don't bother. Just do some more aliens. Call it a day. <laughs> same aliens, too. 
Oh yeah, yeah. So, but they but they vanish. And they that's, vanish. Uh, yeah, that's you know, their gimmick in this one. So. <laughs> yeah, they get harder in every level. They do. They start. You know, like I said, there's some that don't show up in your scanner. There's some that come out and destroy the the buildings. By the end, yeah, they're just vanishing, and they'll come and hit you real quick and vanish and do damage to you while they're invisible. And you have to use your items to try to find them. It's 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 irritating. And uh, I, I'm not I'm not sad I didn't make it through this. In some ways, I am because I I did start playing this when it came out in 1991. So I wouldn't like to have finished it finally and feel like I have some closure. But at the same time, I don't feel too bad that I didn't spend enough time uh, and and literally just slam my head against the wall to finish this one off yeah i i don't blame you i mean it's like i said it's really neat when you first start playing it but once you start seeing that that's going to be what you got unless you really want to keep doing that over and over and over again then there's really not much of a reason to keep going there's just not enough depth or really anything to keep your attention after a certain point and i wish there was because man if there was just even just like I said, some different enemies, just mm-hmm. something, something to mix this up level by level. I, I would, I would have beat it. I would have probably had a lot of fun with it. Or, or even, even having different level graphics. You know, the first few levels, sure, they look like a space station, but then as you get lower and lower, uh, especially yeah. considering that the <clears throat> the whole story kind of gives gives you hints that they're doing some sort of you know secret lab experience make it look like mm-hmm. a lab make it look like it's got you know stuff everywhere make it look like there there was some blood on the wall something to make it more interesting uh, yeah. and more more terrifying the lower you get down but instead it's all just the same hallways I, yeah just uh, just little touches like that would have been fine some blood on the walls so give us a lab give us like uh, just a, a series of pipes to tra- room you know pipes on the sides traverse through uh just just anything I, and it would make sense that you're traveling through this ship you know trying to work your way down to the bottom of the ship but things may change themselves up a little bit and it's obviously inspired by the movie aliens uh, I think I think that's pretty clear uh, but there was just one alien in that thing and and throughout that movie as they traveled the ship it did change a little bit there were different bays there were the the crew quarters there were you know the the long tunnels kind of like this game. Uh, but yeah, it's frustrating because I really liked this one for that, from that first level and part of the second. And and that's when it hit me that this is not going to, to, I wouldn't say get any better because it was already good. Uh, but it's not going to change. And that in and of itself, as enjoyable as that first level was to play, it wasn't strong enough for me to play through you know, five, five times total, uh, with even more of the same enemies, uh, to look at each, each time. So this is a, such a near miss for me. Uh, this, this one almost got it. If I would have stopped half of that first level, I would have proclaimed this the best turbo graphics game we've played. Uh, but as it stands, it just, it's, it's unfortunate. It's just a big, just missed opportunity. I will mention that if you are sensitive to, things moving at lower frame rates, then maybe maybe don't play this one because there were definitely times where my eyes were actually getting tired. Because, <laughs> you know, the way it moves, it has to move space by space. And there's a lot of times where you're actually moving very fast mm-hmm. or trying to move very fast. And just the way it moves got me a few times. I just mm. like, I have to look. I mm. can't look at the TV right now yeah. because it's, it's just making my eyes feel really weird. So, uh yeah, if, if if you're sensitive to stuff like that, just be aware. But I agree with Billy. I think it's a 
a really neat game. I, I just wish it was there was just a little bit more to it. I mean, it's really cool that I, I, I totally I'm glad I played it. I'm glad we picked it. But yeah, it just just need it just a little bit more. Yeah, it's got a solid core foundation, and they they could have done mm-hmm. a lot more with with the things that normally I guess companies focus more time on, which is just to look at this awesome looking thing, but the actual game underneath it isn't isn't really that interesting. Where this game has some really cool mechanics, but they just didn't take the time to do. Uh, some of the dressing that would have made it more memorable and and worth trying to explore to see where you can get to. So I don't think I've succeeded in my goal yet of finding a great TurboGrafx game to share with you guys, but at least this wasn't a complete disaster. No, uh, you you almost had it. You almost had it there for a second. I'm I'm glad I didn't praise you until until I played enough of that game. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, glad you held it for the first. There's no few general chaos, but yeah. The next episode, we're going to return to the Genesis for Subterranea. I also haven't done a shooter in quite some time, like a top-down shooter, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I have not played it before, but it, it gets a lot of good uh, good reviews from people who are into that sort of game, so I'm, I'm excited to see that. Uh, but we actually have a listener question. I was going to use it last episode, but since Billy wasn't here, I thought, let's mm-hmm. save this one uh, for when we're all here. So th- Ben sent us this question on Facebook, uh, and, and I, this is why I want you here, Billy. Listen to this. Uh, hi guys, greetings from Australia. I must say that I'm thoroughly enjoying your show, especially the Mansion of the Hidden Souls episode. Holy as I shit. too, <laughs> just like Billy, really like that game. Anyway, you, we've got uh, our number one fan. This is my favorite person <laughs> listening to this currently. Uh, he continues with his actual question. Uh, I guess the first part was just to butter up Billy. Uh, it just says, I, anyway, I have a question. What is one good and bad thing that Sega and Nintendo both brought to the video game market in the USA? Cheers. Have a good one, Ben. So uh, the Ooh. obvious answer that I'm not going to let us give as an answer is uh, is just that those those systems you know, re- revived the console market in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the, the 82-83 video game crash, uh, you know, there were still computer games. It wasn't like no one was playing video games and we were all living in an apocalyptic wasteland. But, con- you know, no one was buying Atari games. They were in dollar bins at Kmart. No one was buying this stuff. And Nintendo came out and it was kind of like everyone said, wait a second, this thing, this may be good. And it and it really did. Sega less than Nintendo, but th- that's the biggest thing they did is they basically continued to have a, a console market in this country. But But that's an easy answer. So other than that, what's a good or, or bad thing that either of those companies did in, in that 8-minute market? Well, uh, the, the good with Sega, and uh, it's kind of double-edged, was uh, especially with the Genesis, they kind of introduced some of the more um, kind of mature content in games, whereas Nintendo was more kind of family-oriented. I think Genesis was the first to roll that out. Um and it made for some good games. Like you got the definitive version of, of Mortal Kombat, essentially, and and some other games. And of course, you know, fucking Eternal Champions, which is one of my favorites. Uh, you couldn't have pulled off on any other system. So I think that was was a big deal. Um, I think it got played out a little bit pretty quick. But but early on, uh, yeah. Uh, as far as the worst, well, they they basically show that you can't just keep putting out fucking add-ons for your your system and and have the thing survive uh as much as i like the sega cd it just uh was not a good idea and then they had another one and then you put it together and it's a fucking monstrosity oh, the 32x yeah <laughs> that, yeah that, that hands down is the I, worst I, I, I even quit then the sega i'll i'll die on that mountain for the you know the fucking sega cd but 32x no 
was was no good. Um, as far as Nintendo, the, the bad, I would have to go to you know late in the Nintendo cycle uh, and kind of uh, the the and not and I'm not ragging on it too much the the whole motion control thing. Uh, but I just I think some games on there just became a little too they got a little too caught up in, in gimmicks and whatnot I think and kind of abandoned putting out you know just quality games for a while there. Uh, and as far as the good, uh, it's pretty much uh, was and still is fucking leader in in handheld gaming. Uh, as much as I love my damn you know MC Hammer Tiger LCD game and still look forward to that fucking that Tiger retrospective coming up. I'm still pushing for it for episode 100. Uh, but yeah, as soon as that Game Boy came out, that was it. And and all the competitors tried. You know, the Sega put out the Game Gear. And, you know, Atari tried with the Lynx. And, and uh, you still get an occasional effort from someone here and there. But it was just the you know, Nintendo hasn't been beat with that still to this day. And, and probably never will until they eventually just, you know, kill off the 3DS like they're working on now. You know, when you bring up the handhelds, I even think about that. But the Game Boy, when I first saw the Game Boy in motion, it was, I think, a bigger game changer than the Nintendo was. As, as it was a, something. I mean, I loved the Nintendo when it came out, but especially that first run of games, the you know the black box games, they were fun and they looked really cool. But it wasn't such a giant step over what you were seeing uh, from the you know like the Atari seventy eight hundred or even some of the later uh, in television twenty six hundred games. I mean, it was definitely better, but it wasn't that much better. Uh, and computers were already better than that for for the most part. But it was the the handheld Game Boy. When I played Super Mario Land, I was like, this is in, in the first Castlevania Game Boy game. The fact that I could play them, you know, on the on the road, I could play them when I was supposed to be doing something else at school, wherever else I had them. But the fact that it wasn't, you know, a frame at a time like those Tiger games was amazing. Yeah, and that was, that was one of the things that I... You can't really get through to people and just how amazing it was to hold a game boy for the first time. Like it was legit amazing to play an NES game just in your, in the palm of your hands. Nothing had ever done that before. And that was, that was a game changer for me. I, I'm kind of like with you guys, like the NES was amazing, but the game boy was the thing that blew my mind. Well, I mean, the NES and I can't, I can't pretend it wasn't a major influence. Not just how good it was, but the the games that came out on it, the the core games that I had never seen anything like it before. The the original Legend of Zelda, Metroid, uh, you know, later on the, the the arcade ports of things like Contra that were different than the arcade, but still like in some ways better. I mean, that other systems didn't do that. They didn't put that much time into the games. These were very very long games compared to what you saw on the other on the earlier consoles. Um, so as far as, as the good, I mean, Game Boy is probably the best. That, that, I didn't even think about that, but that's a great answer. Um, but just having games that were more involved than than traditional console games. I mean, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the Intellivision D&D games, but those are still, uh, you know, one-sitting games. The, the Nintendo had a, a save cart. You know, you could use a save on things like Zelda. That was unheard of. Uh, and so that, that was really cool. Uh, a bad thing, Sega did this more than Nintendo, but in, in the effort to try to control garbage from coming out, you had to be approved to put out games on those systems. Now, companies did find ways to work around that eventually for the Nintendo. Uh, didn't bother for the Sega Master System, but but I'm sure it happened somewhere. But but instead, you know, Sega put everything out kind of themselves. They didn't have a lot of third-party support, and uh, and I think that hurt them more than, than helped. I think that made it so, yeah, they had a core of really good games, but then everything else was 
kind of just garbage, and they didn't have the number of games Nintendo had. You know, controlling that was a good thing in general, controlling the amount of games and the kind of games that came out. But I think in Sega's case, they went too too tight with it, and uh, and that hurt the system. That same thing TurboGrafx did actually too, where they they had a very very small base of third party support in this country, and it made it so yeah, they, it they might have one new game a month. You're not going to see a lot coming out. Yeah, I, that always kind of bugged me with with Sega. Uh, I mean, Sega. At least Sega had a lot of really good first party games. Uh, they every every time a game from Sega came out, I was usually like, "Well, this is going to be pretty good." You know, there were definitely some turds out there, but um, I for the third party support that Sega didn't quite have over Nintendo, I I think they more than made up with it with the quantity of the first party stuff that they threw out there. Ironically, that's what Nintendo does now for the last couple of systems, where their own titles are the best, and everyone else's are okay. Yeah. Um, I for me, I I, I kind of would go maybe a little good with what Billy said was bad about Sega. I I'll, even though it didn't work out from for them and it kind of got ridiculous at some point, I always appreciated that Sega was constantly pushing technology forward. They always wanted to be first with whatever was the newest thing. You know, they got the Sega CD out there super quick and it was terrible. Uh, they wanted to push the 32X out there like a few months before the Saturn came out, which is just insane. But they always seemed like they were wanting to to push that technology and, and get the newest stuff out there before anyone else. I mean, Nintendo didn't care. They They were more concerned about getting games out. And Sega seemed at some point like they wanted to get technology out. And that was fun for being a kid. You didn't really see a lot of new stuff. Uh, you know, any anything that came out that was pushing games beyond just 16-bit graphics was amazing. I mean, the Sega CD was shit, but the first time you saw a Sega CD, you were like, holy fuck, there's like a TV show on the screen. Don't, don't um, badmouth you know, the Sega CD. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to. It's terrible. I wanted one, but... Uh, you know, it's one of those things like it was it was brand new and it was it was like this crazy new technology you'd never seen in a video game. So it was it was neat to see Sega putting something out with, with that in it where Nintendo was over here just still pushing the Super Nintendo. And, you know, God knows what the hell they were going to do after the Super Nintendo until they announced the Nintendo 64. And uh, as far as the bad for, for that generation, and this goes for both systems, just the sheer amount of horrible peripherals that you could hook onto that system, whether it be first party or third party from Rob to the activator to the power glove. There was, it just seemed like there was a nonstop flood of terrible, useless gimmick things that you could hook onto that system, both of those systems and make your, (laughs) make your experience way worse than it would if you had just used a controller uh, I know we've mentioned the power glove several times. The activator for the Genesis was absolute shit. It literally did not work as advertised. And along with just horrible, horrible gimmick controllers and, and things like lap boards and God knows what else. You, there's tons of stuff you can find on the internet for ridiculous Nintendo and Genesis peripherals. Uh, VR goggles for the Master System. It was just crazy, the amount of stuff that was out there. And... Thankfully, that kind of calmed down over the years, but there was definitely a time there as a kid where you could walk down the Toys R Us peripheral aisle and just see <laughs> just nonstop, just two two or three aisles of just peripherals for those systems. And it was it was insane. Well, even even Rob 
that came with the original Nintendo, and and that, that was admittedly done so they could sell us a toy manu, you know, toy companies. Yeah. But but still, what a terrible peripheral! Like, <laughs> Rob yeah, as, a, as a gaming device is is horrible. <laughs> I don't think I've ever. I mean, I I know I've used Rob when it first came out because everyone's like, check this thing out. But then it was like, oh, I'll just hold the controller and do this myself. I'll use the second controller and I'll pretend I'm Rob because Rob is slow and terrible and pointless. Yeah, it was, it was bad. I mean, at least Rob sort of worked. I mean, for, for the poor people that ended up with the Power Glove, I mean, I still don't know anyone that is, was happy with that purchase or, or found a use for it or even said it worked beyond just literally using the controller that was hooked onto the Power Glove to play the game. Uh, just things like that. Yeah, there was just a flood of that stuff because of those those consoles were so popular and it revived an entire industry. So, of course, anybody that could latch onto that and sell whatever kind of snake oil they could was that was what they were going to throw out there to kids. And us kids, there wasn't really there wasn't the Internet back then. We didn't know what was good or bad. So you'd see these things with these amazing promises and be like, holy shit, this is going to be awesome. And it was just a complete waste of money. So that was probably the thing for me that really always kind of annoyed me from back then. So hopefully that answers your question, Ben, and uh, thank you for your question. If you have a question for us, feel free to send it to us via Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or pretty much anywhere at Retrovania.net, where we normally are on the Internet. But we will be back in two weeks with Subterrania for the Genesis, and we will see you next time.